Welcome to WeRDB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks again for joining us this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you might endeavor have seen. This week, rated as number 40 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Modern Times. Released in 1936, Modern Times is a social commentary drama, I guess, about living in the modern world during the Great Depression of the 1930s. That title's kind of outdated now, isn't it? Modern Times. I was just thinking that. I'm like, it's almost ironic now, but I guess at the time it was appropriate. Yeah. The film is starring, written, music composed by, produced, directed by Charlie Chaplin. Busy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This movie is most notable as being the last appearance of the Tramp, or Little Tramp, the character that made Charlie Chaplin famous in the first place, um, that we have come to know and love with his little mustache and his jacket and his cane and his little bowler hat. Everyone knows the character, even if you've never seen one of his films. Mm. Um, And that character appeared in at least 11 films between 1914, that's very early, uh, and Mm. 1936, this movie. Well, I was just thinking, even in this, he looked really quite young, so that's surprising to me. Yeah, he was very young when he started. All right. Six of Chaplin's films have been added to the National Film Preservation Board collection um, for, you know, preservation, including this movie, Modern Times. Um, Most of those six are in the top 200 or so on the IMDb, including a movie from 1931 with the same tramp character, City Lights. That movie is currently number 43 on the list, so we'd usually be getting to that in a few weeks, but due to scheduling and issues here at WeRDB, um, we will, which will become apparent in like the next couple of months, we won't be able to get to cover that for a few months, so sorry to the hardcore City Lights fans out there, you might have to wait before you get to hear it. Basically, what I'm saying is Charlie Chaplin was a very talented person who had a very big hand in a lot of great movies which this is arguably his best, and his most notable stuff, he was starring as a single character known as the Tramp. So this is really like, if you want to know who Charlie Chaplin was and what his movies were about, watch Modern Times. Yeah, so it's interesting that the last performance of the character is arguably the best, because I guess he's been doing it a long time, yeah. He'd honed his, his skill and his character. Yeah, so yeah. I was wondering if this was going to be a silent film because that's what made Chaplin famous, you know? He started in the silent era, and by the 30s, obviously, there weren't silent movies all the time anymore. So I thought maybe he's, you know, doing a speaking role, and he sort of is. There's interesting use of sound in this, but mostly it's a silent film. Like, it's a silent film, but it's not a silent Except film. Except for the orchestra and a couple of... Couple of lines here and there from well, some of the characters, but some good like foley acting in this. Like, yeah, it's done in a really interesting way that made me think to myself, you know, I've never really seen anything done like this before, and it was kind of interesting. And I kind of was thinking along the same lines as you that yeah, he's famous for his silent films, but evidently in the 30s you could do films with sound, but probably. Because he was so well known for his silent acting, you couldn't really have a Charlie Chaplin film without it being silent. Yeah, especially with this character. Yeah. I think he went on to do 
movies where he was like acting and not playing this character. Um, but I guess this is just a continuation of who Charlie Chaplin was. I feel like it's like if suddenly the Roadrunner started saying more than beep beep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it would just be kind of sacrilege. So I thought they did this in an interesting way. They were able to incorporate sound into that in a way that worked for what movies were at the time and still made it kind of interesting without deviating too much. Yeah. Movies like this old really serve more as a time capsule now than it does more as the entertainment that it was intended for, you know? I was thinking, like I wanted to say... This is really dated, and it, of course it is because it's from the 30s, but like you're saying, it really does kind of encapsulate what was considered humorous at the time, what was the film style, you know? Well, even how- just like looking at the vehicles they showed, the ambulance, there's the Art Deco design of the furniture, you know, she's sleeping in the bed, there's a lot of little mm. things, more than the fact that it's a film and you've got the characters and the actors... It's just showing what the world was like in the 30s, you know what I mean? I like kind of like watching that. That was the point of the movie anyway, wasn't it? It was just kind of, yeah. let's talk about what every day is like, but throw this character we like into it and see how he reacts kind of thing. So yeah. that's kind of cool for us to be able to look back at it as if you wanted to in sort of a documentary sort of way, you know, to look at what actually was the world like, but also in an artistic sort of way, what was film like at that time it kind of ticks both those boxes which Mm. i wasn't expecting i didn't know what to expect with this i didn't really know either no that said we're about 15 minutes into it and i said to you this is all it's gonna be isn't it yeah it it really was i was i was hoping it would really have a lot more to say because i feel like i was reading just a bit up on it beforehand where it Mm -hmm. was talking about how it's meant to be social commentary about the great depression and stuff um, I was hoping it had a lot to say, and I think it did a little bit, but in its, you know, kind of funny slapstick kind of way. What do you think it actually had to say about the Great Depression and modern factories and stuff? I think it was conveying its message to its 1930s audience who didn't look into things as much as we do now. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't meant to be studied by two idiots in 2020, you know what I mean? No, but like... You know, there was some talk about smuggling drugs in the jail, and there was talk about people didn't like communists, and there was, you know, just even some of the social practices, like you're like, oh, there's some sexual harassment in the workplace. Yeah, that Um, was like really obvious in the first five minutes. And it's just, that would have been considered funny. We know it's just really distasteful now. Um, Yeah, and the really dangerous work conditions. Yeah, and it was all- It's like, ha ha, yeah, you almost died. (laughs) It was all just part of it. Um- Yeah, people almost died in machinery, like, multiple times. And it was just... I don't want to say that it was, like, meant for the simple-minded, but, like, people thought really differently back then. Yeah, slapstick kind of is. I mean, it's it's a bit harsh to say that, but that's kind of what it's aimed towards. Well, and the thing was, that was honestly some of the most nuanced entertainment that was available at the time. You know, aside from, like, the opera and things. Like, if you went to the movies, you were going to see stuff like this. This is what the movies were. Because I was even just thinking about, and no offense intended here, but we were talking about on the Psycho episode. Which comes out next week. How your grandma just couldn't even stand being in the room during the shower scene. Yeah. And I was like, that's so beyond tame. So it's just kind of juxtaposing 
what we consider good entertainment to what people of the 30s considered good entertainment. Yeah, comedy was very different back then as to what people actually thought was funny. Yeah, well, and I, I said too, I'm like, I can see, I know what the butt of the joke is right when they start it, and they're a lot yeah. more drawn out. You know, like I could see exactly where everything was going. And that's just because I feel like back then people would have found this hilarious. Mm. And now it's just like we've, we've evolved past this. Like, I can't imagine people sitting in the cinemas cracking up laughing at some of these things. I'm like, really? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I'm, I'm not saying that that shouldn't have been their reaction at the time. I'm just saying that's really all they had to work with. Yeah, I think your words that we've evolved past this are really quite interesting because Chaplin mm. was working so early. Like I said, he started this character in 1914, like when the cinema was just sort of coming about. Um, and I completely understand that he was completely influential to people like Laurel and Hardy and the Three Stooges, um, which I quite liked watching Laurel and Hardy when I was a kid. But even they became influential to people like Monty Python, um, mm. National Lampoons, Mr. Bean, you know? So I think those evolutions, like Monty Python and Mr. Bean, they're kind of better. And it's more universal, timeless comedy than what these old Chaplin's one were. Well, because I the think. world is so different and i feel like in 50 years even mr bean won't be that relatable probably probably you know what i mean but it's necessary like we're looking at it purposefully in isolation we're looking at it as a timestamp of the 30s and trying to um yeah to understand it in terms of the 2020s and you just can't you know to look at it and understand how it was influential you have to look at it in terms of how it influenced future comedies um, which I can see, like you just said. But I think if you sat down and watched this and expected it to be hilarious, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah, if you which is don't why I said it, it stands better as a time capsule these days. It absolutely does. Than it does as actual entertainment. It's good to look at, oh, look at the weird timber escalator that says moving stairways. You know what I mean? It's much more interesting as a piece to study, honestly. Yeah. Which is why even us just trying to talk about it now, we've unintentionally just started studying it and analyzing it, you know? Yeah. And I completely understand that, like, why things change and that things actually do change, you know? Like, I took courses at uni to analyze the context of things release. Um, uh, I want you to continue that thought because I'm really interested to hear what you have to say just there. So I'd like you to articulate that better and finish that thought. So the oldest movie I've ever seen is the original Mummy, Boris Karloff from 1931. That's the oldest movie I've ever seen. And it's essentially, obviously, everyone knows the story now, about a mummy that comes back to life, right? Yeah. I think he goes around killing people in a very 1930s way. You don't see anything. It's very, yeah. Yeah, Um, like the stab motion. Oh, you see the shadow fall over. But in context, they had just opened the, the tombs in Cairo, five years previously. That was nearly 100 years ago to us, right? If you think yeah. about all these these artifacts being taken back to the British Museum, yeah, that was 100 years ago, you know? You think of, like, old Indiana Jones kind of guys raiding these tombs. But to the audience of the people who went and saw The Mummy, that was very recent news. This was something that they remember happening in the last couple of years. And then they go see this movie... Of course that's going to be scary because they're like, oh, I remember seeing that. This is I can go see this mummy at the museum in England. It's the context is my point. You have to think about 
how is this perceived? Why is this scary? I think it's very important not to judge it with a 2020 millennial sort of eyes and be like, this is dumb, this isn't funny. Understand it in the context of when it was coming out, what came before this, because I can very much easily compare this to, let's say, video games, right? It's a pretty Mm -hmm. new medium in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at a video game from the Nintendo 64 era, which is the late 90s, it's blocky, the graphics were terrible, they didn't really work very well, but... I hate watching videos of those original Zeldas because I'm like, it's supposed to be all fantastical, and I'm like, I'm literally watching a pixel move around. Yeah. Like, and it's supposed to be an elf. Like, I'm you're you're yeah. killing the mysticism. <laughs> um, well, anyways. The, po- the point I was going to make was... Yeah. Those Nintendo 64 games look great when you compare them to the, those old NES ones from 10, 15 years beforehand. You have to understand yes. the context of its release. What were they trying to do? What was their audience, you know? Um, and what, were they, what technology were they bound by? Yeah, don't compare them to stuff that we have today. You compare them to, to the stuff that they had then and the stuff that they had before then. Like you, my point is we have to think about these things when we watch a movie like this instead of trying to look at it in a nutshell. So to do that a little bit more effectively, let's think about what was going on when this came out. This came out in 1936, so right in the middle of the Great Depression. Yeah, before World War II. A lot of this centers around the main character, Charlie's tramp there, or Chaplin's tramp, um, trying to find a job, and he keeps going to jail, and he keeps (laughs) getting arrested, and keeps getting fired because he's a bit of a klutz. And honestly, that would have been very relatable to a lot of people. Like, yeah. this struggle to find work. Well, the fact that she... the, the I don't even know the character's name. The homeless lady friend girl. of hers. Girl, yeah. Um, she was a homeless girl, right? And then she says that she has found a house. And it's this rickety old shack that's falling apart, and she calls it paradise. And I just think that, A, that's relatable to a lot of people at the time, but compared to living on the streets, having some sort of shelter of your head, it absolutely is paradise. Yeah, even if the roof leaks. So I think know? it is kind of relatable. Maybe it is for the people who would go into a Nickelodeon and just pay, you know, five cents to watch this funny comedy and forget their troubles because it's, like, very relatable. Maybe that's what who the target audience was. Mm. Well, I was even thinking, too, in terms of... You said after this Chaplin went on to play Hitler because yeah, we both know the, very, the main commonality between the two of them. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, I was curious before you said that about how was he received after World War II With because Hitler's of mustache? his likeness? Yeah. yeah. Like, would he have had to get rid of it after? Because, like, I, I don't know. That was about his that. thing first. And yeah. So everyone mm. knows that as Hitler's mustache, but Chaplin had it for a long time before. And I think it was a popular trend at the time, which is why. These two men even mm. had it in the first place. I just wonder, like, if it was such a big deal that he had to go and change his image. Because it was. That was yeah, his I'm image. Yeah, I'm not sure what he did after the war. His hat, his cane, and his mustache. And that's pretty much all you need. Maybe that's the reason why he had to stop doing The Tramp. This was one of his last movies before the war. So this mm. is probably the movie he, he did before the war. So maybe that's why he never went back to that character. How traumatic would it have been... If you'd gotten a time machine and took back to this time period when movies movies had been around, but they like there's very strict rules around like 
kissing and violence and all that stuff. And if you showed them something really graphic, like a war movie or like or something just really if you showed like, them nineteen seventeen like alien or something just like with zombies or something like I think you'd put people in mental institutions. Probably, yeah. I think you would. I think they wouldn't be able to cope. Well, they would think it was real. They absolutely would. They're like this high definition yeah. image on screen yeah. with these actors and the special effects. Um, think of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. He did. Uh, he read a story out over the radio, and people thought that Martians were literally invading Earth. People like called nine one one, being like, "What the fuck's happening here?" People, I don't know. This was. It was a very simpler time. Mm. I think it took, and this is just based on what, like, my limited knowledge. I think it took the conditions that existed. And put a humorous spin on it to make it a little bit more enjoyable. I think, based on what I've seen, it was a fairly accurate representation. You know? Mm. I think it's very Mr. Bean-esque. It is. And, like, I know that he's, like, Charlie Chaplin. Like, he's he's the guy. But even just watching him, he's a pretty damn good physical comic. I can see why he was popular. I can see why he well, was amusing just to watch. I'm thinking he must have been trained in dance to move the way that he does. There's a biopic from the early 90s. Was it the Robert Downey Jr.? With Robert Downey Jr. It was his Oscar yeah. nomination. He got nominated. when He, he looks so different. Um, maybe they go into it more in that movie. I've, I haven't actually seen it. Mm. But it could be interesting. To have that much control to know how to move your body in a way that's doing exactly what you want to convey, you'd have to have some sort of kinesthetic training, mm. whether it's like gymnastics or dance or something like that. Otherwise, it's just very, very lucky raw talent. Yeah, his movements are very fluid, <laughs> I guess. It, they are. I didn't mind it. Like, it, it becomes a little bit more... You get drawn into it. You know, I wouldn't say it's captivating, but you get invested in it and you want to see what happens. Yeah. Um, takes a little while. It's silly. It is silly. And there's some stuff where I'm like, that's just stupid. I'm just laughing at it because it's stupid, not funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which at the time, it probably would have been really funny. But like, pancake pocket watch. That's just dumb. Yeah, that was you know? ridiculous. <laughs> um, um, so I reached a point where I'm like, this is dumb. And then I'm like, yeah. this is so dumb, it's silly. And then you're like, okay, this is kind of so silly and dumb that it's kind of enjoyable, so I'm going to watch it. It was kind of dumb from the beginning with that whole feed your employer machine kind of thing that was never really logical in the first place. No, that was that was. Silly. How many times was he arrested? It was at least like five or six. I think that's yeah. just a, a running joke throughout the whole movie, and I kind of like that because of consistency. It's one of those jokes where it's like, Something's funny. If you continue to do it, it's no longer funny. But if you continue to do it past that, it gets funny again. Yeah. That's a very classic comedy trait that you see in a lot of things. Um, and that's kind of what that became. Yeah. Do you think it would have been controversial for him to be so flamboyant and almost feminine? Like, he's really quite outgoing in a way that men usually didn't really depict themselves. I think off-screen, yes. Okay, so the fact that he's an entertainer, everyone's just like, oh, you know. When he's acting and when he's in the movie, it's funny. It's the okay. same reason why, historically, like, you think back to Shakespeare, 
everybody wanted to hire a musician, but you don't interact with them. You know? Right, okay. They're, like, classless. Musicians. Yeah, they're good enough to play your music, but don't have anything to do with them other than that. Right. Um, so I think it was kind of the same in that he was very effeminate, and that was fine because it, it could be written off as that's him playing that character, and that adds to that being funny because at the time, you know, men can't be effeminate, so it made it laughable to see a mm. man being effeminate. But if you actually saw him acting that way in real life... You'd be like, no, 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 you can't do yeah. that. You know? Yeah. Do you think this deserves to be in the top 40? Or is it just because of, like, film history nerds and hipsters? I think so. I think the second one. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, it, I can see it's hard because it's like, there almost needs to be two categories of films that are important to film history and that are influential, and then films that are actually contemporarily considered good. Okay. I think it's very notable to say that this is preserved by the National Preservation Board. Yes. And a lot of his stuff is. So it's like, it's important, but is it good in today's context? No. <laughs> it was never meant At to the be time, good in today's I th- context. Yeah, I think it was very good in its original context. I don't think it's good now. I think it's okay. I didn't mind it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's entertaining. Do you have any interest in doing City Lights? Or is no. it just like... I've done my chaplain. This is enough. Let's I move have. On. <laughs> like, it is in the list, and I would kind of like to hit everything on the list. That's the point of the show. But I'm asking you what you think. For the sake of the list, sure. Like, for the sake of hitting every note, but. It will be several months away. If I. There's quite a bit that we've done where, like, if it wasn't on the list, I'd never watch it, or yeah. I'd never watch the sequel, or whatever. You know what I mean? There's plenty that I would. But, I don't know, it just, it doesn't hit the same notes anymore. Yeah, especially since City Lights is older than this, so it's even older. So we'll get to that in a few months, I'm pretty sure we'll change our mind. It's it's not a hard watch, and these things are usually like an hour long, <laughs> like it's not that bad. Um, I would prefer to watch Life of Brian from Monty Python or Mr. Bean or something that Absolutely. came after this. Absolutely, but again, that's because... You probably wouldn't have that without this. No, but the thing, too, is that society was way different. You actually did have men dressing up as women and behaving like women, (laughs) and it was funny because it was the 70s and you were allowed to be more controversial. Yeah. You know? Um, God, I love Monty Python. I can't wait to get to Holy Grail. I love that movie. (gasps) Where is it in the list? I think it's around 100. Oh, my God. We're going to howl. I love that movie. It's probably my favorite comedy. It's going to be a long episode, and it's, it's going to take us so long to record because we're just going to be cracking up. It's going to take a long time to watch because we're going to be cracking up. Purely just going to be us imitating Monty Python the entire time, which is back and forth. Your father was a hamster, and your mother <laughs> smelled of elderberries. Don't, don't start. Don't start. I'm sorry. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook, comment on SoundCloud or YouTube, or support us on Patreon. We've got every episode uncut and unedited, as well as bonus episodes every month and polls voting on what you want to hear. All of this extra content is unlocked and free to everyone. Patreon's just our platform for that content. So over at WeRDB on Patreon, if you want to go check that out. And until next week, thanks for listening.
I really like that we made our own theme music. Yeah, it's good, eh? It's good. 